It's a clown show, and it's the news, according to me. Well, good afternoon now. It is uh, Eastern time. It's still morning on uh, on the Central Coast. I'm going to call it that. It is, uh, it is 11.44 Central time. I am in Tulsa, Oklahoma this morning. I've got some interesting, uh, interesting observations to make this morning. Uh, this afternoon, it is it is twelve forty four a uh, uh, p.m. on uh, on the East Coast, where I'm from. But it, it's uh, I've, had, I've had an interesting morning here, and, and I've had some interesting observations, listened to some interesting channels, and done some interesting things this morning. Now, I happen to have been <clears throat> prancing around <clears throat> the uh, the campus of Oklahoma State University here in Tulsa, and I have to say. Uh, there's there some interesting observations, interesting things here going on in the city. Now, one of the things that I that I did notice that I need to talk about also as well is what's in my cup. Now, I do have. I went to the reason I ended up on the the campus of the college. Well, one of the things I did on the campus of the college, the university there, is I uh, I got I went to there. They have a Chick Fil A, so I was able to get sweet tea, and that's that's where I got breakfast this morning as well as. Uh, uh, some sweet tea. I did about a six-mile walk so far today. I've got about another six miles that I'm going to be walking later today. Uh, kind of my evening workout. Today's, today's my walking day. So today's one of those days. And I'm just across the room here. Uh, yeah, I'm coming back. Here, here I am. I'm back. I'm back. So I have... Uh, there we go. Let get my tea. I have left my tea in the refrigerator. And... Uh, can't do that. See, the uh, I have these uh, interesting messages coming through here. What's going on with this? Now, what is this all about? Oh, that's uh, no, nothing. All right. I don't know. Uh, it, what's interesting, in my opinion, is um, some of the some of the play. I, I come. I'm come, I have a term for it. I don't know that anybody else has used this. I call it playground politics. Is what's going on right now in the house. The drama continues to, to unfold with the whole Matt Gates, uh, everything on the Republican side. I'm not going to talk about the Democrats right now. However, there's there's some issues there I want to talk about as well. However, right now it is uh, quite quite obvious that we have a situation on the on the Republican side of things in the House. And I'd like to point out a few things, some observations that I've made, and maybe you can, uh, you know, weigh in on some of these things and your thoughts, your your pondering. Hopefully, this helps you kind of determine whether or not uh, these things are valid points or not, food for thought kind of thing. Which is really what this show is about. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a not professional uh, life coach. I'm not a uh, financial counselor. CPA. I'm not a epidemiologist, virologist, botanologist. I'm not any of those things. But, but I do have opinions, and I hopefully it, hopefully this show helps to feed your ability to think and reason, uh, along with what I'm thinking about. It just it just kind of this open open-minded thought kind of process that hopefully helps all of us kind of just kind of continue to get through it all. I just lost all my. I just lost uh, Firefox. Just crashed. What happened there? I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Um, 
in the meantime, uh, so all kinds of weird things happen here with my computer. Um, in the background, you can probably hear my fan going off in the background. It's, I'm going to try to cover this up so you can't hear that so much. I, I don't know, it's, maybe that will help a little bit. There we go. Um, I have a, uh, a couple observations to make. First of all, I, I want to talk a little bit about the campus experience that I had this morning. Now, these are strange observations. You might say that they have nothing to do with anything, but just two independent observations that I made this morning that I, I think I'd like to pass along. Um, we all know that the, the campus, university, college life has a tendency to be this place of idealistic thought, uh, this utopian world that the, the kids with illusions, delusions of grandeur think that they... There's, there's this, for example, there's this video right now, it's, it's, I guess it's a TikTok, I guess. It's out there that's going viral. It's this girl who has $80,000 in college debt, got out of college, I think she has her, some kind of a business uh, marketing arts degree, whatever it is, some kind of a marketing degree, something other words. And she thinks that now she is qualified to work and uh, To, to, to just go to get a job, I guess. It's, it's an $80,000 a year job. You think she could just go out there and get a job? She's all frustrated because all these places she's applied to, they keep sending her back information about, you know, sorry, but you don't have any experience. You know, hope, hope you wish you well. Sorry, you know, we're not, uh, we're not hiring, you know, people who have no experience right out of college right now. They're looking for someone who can get the, that has some, a track record that can get the job done. And this, this is frustrating her and she's all mad about it. She's all ticked off about it. And she's, she says, well, they want, they want experience, but they don't understand. The, the degree is the experience. No, 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 sweetie. No. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm you want to say I'm patronizing? Yeah, I am. I'm patronizing because you, you, you deserve it right now. Because right now you are, you are thinking you are high on your horse and you've got this degree and nobody else has a degree like you have a degree. I, I got some news for you. Someone who has a proven track record is a much better risk for a company to take on and pay a high high dollar salary than some individual who has no track record who just was able to pass some college courses and who knows how you pass those college courses I know people who get through school without learning a thing so to put it bluntly uh, go out and get a job show some work experience preferably not just a job at McDonald's unless it's a job in marketing McDonald's get a job where you can move up into a position you know Use your smarts, use all these brains to manage your own life. How are, you, how are you supposed to help manage another company if you can't manage your own life and set a path for yourself? Now, I'm going to give you an example. Now, I haven't always made the best decisions. I haven't always been the one who's gone off. And but I, I learned at an early age. I, I guess because I grew up with my with a, with a father who was constantly starting businesses and trying business ideas and just had no... He had some hesitation, but always had this tenacity for going after business ideas. And I just kind of grew up with that. And strangely enough, when my dad got involved in like multi-level marketing, this is back before it was multi-level marketing, this is back in, in the 70s, <clears throat> early 70s, when there were still door-to-door -door salesmen. 
Well, my dad was selling these, you know, this thing came through town and they were selling these ideas. My dad got involved in this thing. It was a, it was a microchip type thing. It had your medical records on it and you could carry a thing like a credit card in your, in your pocket. This was a big deal back in the 70s. This was the kind of technology that didn't exist in the 60s. So it came out in the 70s and you had this, all your medical data was on this little microfilm card and all they had to do, if you, got, if you were in the hospital or if you got you know, picked up by an ambulance, all they had to do was read this little microfilm card with a little reader, much like, you know, the internet would be now, is you carry that information around with you on this, this little credit card to get any kind of medical issues. And it was, it was, there was a couple other things that there was, they were selling along with this. There was a couple other identity things that was, there was kind of, were just informational things they were also selling along with this. <clears throat> it's got this kind of a package thing. Well, yeah, I was selling these and he was doing very well at it. He was selling, selling like crazy. But he was going door to door. He had this little, this little briefcase type thing and you pack it up and you hand these people this little pamphlet and you talk about it and you fill it out and you, it was like 20 bucks or whatever it was, $10, whatever, whatever it was. Back then, that was, that was quite a bit of money back then. You know, back in the 70s, that, was, that would be like, you know, a $90, a 90 to, like a $90 or $100 package. But that's, you know, someone coming up to sell you something like that. Well, um, I took it on. I became a dealer. I think I was about 12 or 13 years old. I went door to door in every house in the neighborhood selling this thing. I don't think I sold any. Well, I might have sold one or two. I was all over town. So the small town, like there was a probably a, a total population. I think there were a total. I had a paper route, and I'm pretty sure it was one of those free papers. That's called V paper. I delivered papers uh, at that age on my bicycle, and I'm pretty sure there were 513 houses in the town I was in because I, I had to deliver to every house. And I'm pretty sure there were 513 when I initially when I started. Now there were some that. Some some new houses and that kind of thing at some point. But there, so there was, I think by the time I got done, there was it, it always fluctuated between five hundred and five hundred twenty-five, somewhere in that, that range. And um, so I, 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 it was a small town, but I, I pretty much was involved in that whole thing, and I went door to door trying to sell this thing. So, uh, and, I, and I probably sold a few. I don't know. It was mostly from my, and I was kind of under my dad's account kind of thing, so I sold them for him, basically. Uh, but you know, there I was, out there doing my thing. And my parents never never, never pulled the reins back on me. I, I just kind of took, took charge of it and did it. Uh, when I was even younger in school, grade school, fifth and sixth grade, I would walk back and forth to, to, to school, a little over a mile, and I would walk... Uh, I was actually there, there was a bus route that would pick me up, but I, was, I, I would have to be the first person picked up on the bus and the last person dropped off, and which made my day another two hours longer. And I wasn't really interested in that, so I, I walked to school because it was actually less time. It took me about fifteen minutes to get to the, to the school walking. But I would walk past, and in the evening when I would walk home, I walked past a candy store. Well, the kids from a, it was a kind of a rural community, and there was very few kids that got to go to town very often. Of course, you didn't have Amazon. You didn't have all that stuff back then. And I would, I would go past the candy store on the way home, and I would pick up candy. And I would sell it the next day in class. I was at school. I would I just have this bag, big bag of candy, and I would, and I would start taking orders. If you want this or that, I'll, you know, I'll pick up some of these. So I, I would pick up candy for kids. They would sometimes give me their lunch money, <laughs> and I'd buy candy. And, of course, these kids would come go home. I'm sure the parents were just thrilled to death that the kids were coming home with candy, and they hadn't eaten lunch that day. Um, but the, uh, you know, but I do what I can to serve the community. 
and then a local dentist as well. So I had a had a uh, just a little. That's the kind of just the kind of stuff I did. Now this other guy, uh, this fellow friend of mine, he had started this pen repair company. He had a bunch of spare pen parts. Of course, and this is back when you used pens all the time. And I I got involved with him in this little business, and uh, we would repair pens. He, he had all he had mostly he had a lot of parts. I didn't have, but I had to kind of know how to put pens together and make things work. So we would repair pens. Five cents for repairing a pen or whatever. And uh, of the pen was probably worth a penny. It's a free pen. You get some. Uh, this is back in the day when pens weren't just passed around because it would it cost a lot of money. You had to go to a marketing company to get you know monogram pens and stuff. So we would we would uh, fix these pens, and click click pens and stuff, wall points. Anyway, the uh, it was an interesting time. So I have always been involved in that kind of crazy wacky thing stuff. And for me, uh, it, it just it makes more sense that a person learns to be productive. Now, when I started, the, the main, the big business that I started that actually was really had a lot of income. It actually uh, didn't necessarily make a lot of money. It wasn't a lot of profit in it. Uh, could have been, but there wasn't. And, and I, that particular business, I had a lot of, uh, how you want to say, uh, I learned a lot in this in this particular. Now I had a, had another business before that that I actually made money, and it was, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was actually making a profit. But there wasn't I wasn't going through a lot of cash. Now the other other business that I, I was going through about half a million dollars a year, but I was also spending about a half million dollars a year. I wasn't making much money out of that. Um, however, it was good experience, and I learned an awful lot from it. However, the reason I started that business was because I was not getting hired by anyone else. And I wasn't going to sit around waiting for someone to hire me. I decided to make a job for myself to get the experience I needed. Every place I would go to ask for work, I didn't have any experience. So I went ahead and created a job, created a business to get the experience I needed to work for someone else. And it worked. I could have kept the business going. I could have kept doing that. Um, however, there, there was more lucrative opportunities and more a little bit easier things to do than run your own business because government does not make it easy for you to run your own business. I made the mistake of getting a little bit too big and had too many employees. And before you know it, now I'm, all I'm doing is babysitting. I'm not just managing the employees. I'm not doing what I really like to do. So it was, it was one of those situations. And I wasn't making that much money yet. It was a tough industry to make uh, money in, in, in the particular niche market that I had broken into in order to, as a, it was a niche that needed to be filled, so I filled it just to get the experience, and I wasn't interested in continuing on with that, but I was more interested in the other markets that uh, I could make, make a, a living at. I could have kept doing it, could have, could have probably kept that niche going, and, and uh, eventually came to a, a profitable business with that. But I, just, I wasn't 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 there. So, what I, my, my point here is: this this young lady, if she's got this education, she spent all this money on. She still owes a lot of money on this education. Of course, she wants it you know to, to be wiped away. The government just needs to come in and pay for it, whatever. Which is us when she wants us to pay for it. But she doesn't have the tenacity. She doesn't have the self-starterness. To use her, the knowledge, apparently they didn't give her the knowledge or she didn't maintain the knowledge or they didn't help her to understand that, look, this education that you just spent all this money on, you, this is the path to now to get to the point where this education will benefit you. You would think 
Of course, the college doesn't care. They've already got their money. They, you know, the, they, the student took out the loan, paid for it. So it's there, but they've already got their money. You, know, you get a thousand students, and they're, they're paying eighty thousand dollars a piece. Think about the kind of budget that that's a, that's a small school, but it's eighty thousand students. The average tuition is like eighty grand, sixty sixty grand, eighty grand, whatever it is. So it, it's a it's a racket because they don't care. You get this education with this pipe dream that you're going to come out of this school and you're going to have the ability. And if you go to school to be a plumber, which means there's still a, an apprenticeship and, and plumbers and, and some other things and electricians and that kind of thing. But you're making money as you're doing it. You get a very high-paying job. You have a skill set that's valuable in the community. You come out with whatever kind of weird degree you've got that's well, now you've got to find the right company when with no experience, you're not you're just not gonna walk into that. So my point here is kids today, it, it, it's one thing to have the degree to understand a particular part of their industry, but to see the bigger picture, I think is what they're missing in most college education. Because they do they do not understand the parts of life about how to get from to this point of making your education valuable to the community. So you have all the you have knowledge but you don't have skills. And that's that's really what the the country needs are the skills. They're looking for your skills, your ability to implement what you're not the knowledge that you have to manifest it and be, and make it worth something. So on the campus this morning I was just noticing that this is this is tends to be a little bit of a an interesting uh, culture that starts to form. Now, as I was there, I noticed that uh, a couple couple observations. One, uh, they have these little robots. These little, it looked like coolers on wheels. Little six-wheelers that look like little coolers. They got a little flag on them with a little lockbox. And this at the, at the food court, where the, they have like Chick-fil-A and they have all these other cool restaurants there, Tex-Mex and all this other stuff. Is there. So when a student wants to order food, they can order it online on, the, on this little app online. And the company, the, whatever it is, Tex-Mex, whoever it is, they bring the food out and they put it in this little box. A little box and they, they, they send it on its way. And it, it takes off, goes across campus, shows up at the dorm or wherever it is. And guess what? It's, you know, this, it alerts the student when it, when it gets there. The student just comes down and gets there. They just open it with the app, get their food out, and the little box goes back to the restaurant. There's like six of them sitting out there. It's a little catering service. So now, kids who used to have jobs delivering food, they don't get to, they don't get to do that anymore. It's all, you know, it's all electromechanical stuff. So these kids are sitting around lazy as can be in their uh, dorm rooms. Don't even have to, we're, not, we're no longer hunter-gatherers. You just have to sit there and wait for the food to come to you now. And they, you know, no problem. They just they just come right to you. You probably get a student discount on this. You know, it's 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 been proven that one of the things that that really creates a good study habits and good memory and really helps your study habits in general and discipline is to get out and get a little exercise. Maybe maybe good for them to just actually walk a couple blocks, get their food, get out and socialize a little bit, and then go back and study. You probably learn more that way. Probably have a much more balanced education. But no, they sit there and wait for the food coming. In the morning, you know they're not they're not out there studying. They're, the reason the food's coming to them is because they're in bed. So 
and the other thing that was interesting on the campus that was, you know, I, I was walking around, I probably walked about, uh, well, I walked a total about six miles this morning, but it was, according to, my, according to my watch. But the interesting part about it was, everywhere I walked, I was walking with students, I was wa always walking faster. I never had a student pass me. I was always walking faster than every student that was in my vicinity. Not a single one passed me. I'm 60, almost 61 years old. In just a few weeks, I'll be 61 years old. These kids are a third of my age. Now, I'm not saying uh, I'm some kind of Superman, because there's plenty of people my age that walk even slower than these people do. But I'm thinking, you know, at this age, why are you not a little bit more energetic, have a little bit more purpose in your step? You know, they're walking like they have no... I, 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 was to, to, I made this observation early on in life, and I was still in the latter years of high school, probably early, just, just after I graduated. I would notice how people walked, and I would notice that people, I would always call it walking with a purpose. And when I would see someone walking, I, would, I guess I would kind of frame them in their personality by just looking at the way they walked. That person's walking with a purpose. I, was, I always found that, uh, in, a, in a regular sense, I found that attractive. That, that kind of person who would walk with a purpose, that to me represented uh, a certain amount of discipline, a certain amount of uh, going somewhere and knowing where you were going kind of drew me in. I said, I'd love, I'd love to know more about that person. Where is that person going? What are they doing? They, they're on a mission. I want to find out more about their mission in life. It's the person who's just kind of meandering and has no real purpose, no, they don't walk with any kind of purpose whatsoever. Who barely is walking and almost you know, has this look on their face as if they're really just, you know, every step is just, you know, they, why, it was like, they're, they're asking the question, why, why do I have to walk at all? Kind of thing. That's the kind of person that, it, it, and, and what's interesting about that, it, there's a lot of studies that have shown, and I used to do a lot of self-defense stuff, but it, a lot of studies have shown that that is the kind of person that's more likely to be a victim. When I'm out walking around and there's uh, nefarious people, and they're kind of never, you know, ne'er-do-wells out there, and I'm walking around, I walk with a purpose, I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting there looking at my phone all the time, I'm not, I'm, I'm basically, I got my hands out of my pockets and I'm walking almost, basically, I'm almost marching in some ways. I've got a hat on that makes it look, I look a little bit, probably look a little, a little bit uh, like ex-military in, in some ways. But I'm not lollygagging around. I'm walking like I've got a mission. One of the reasons, because I think a, br a brisk walk is much better for you than just a lollygagging walk. Now, having said all that, when I'm out there and I'm walking around, and I, I've noticed there are people out there who are, um, they would probably be approaching me and asking me for something. They don't, uh, they usually typically will not bother me. There are other people that I know probably would just as soon rob me as I'm walking past them. I don't, uh, I don't really acknowledge them much at all. I just continue to walk, face forward. If I do look at them, I just nod the head and keep moving. I don't even hesitate. My attitude is kind of like, if you try to stop me, I'm going to stop you. It's, it, it's this kind of, uh, it, it's a bold attitude 
that I think causes people to uh, retract somewhat from this idea that they that you don't, you're not walking like acting like a victim. And it's and people who meander and don't really have you know much of a purpose in their walk have a tendency to become victims. Now it's not always the case. You can, you can still do that, and somebody can still decide that they you know, they're going to pull out a gun and do something to you. It's just, there's, you just never know. Now, it's not always foolproof, but it, I think ninety percent of the time it does win over the psychological warfare that's going on. Now, having said all that. Another observation I made this morning on the campus is it's, well, what's interesting is there are probably, I counted at least four churches, four chapels, and basically like regular churches that are, that are basically on campus property there, and big building, church building, I should say. Uh, mostly like United Methodist Episcopal Church and also something, a couple others uh, are there. The, more of the traditional chapel style stuff. And the within the bricks and, and the, the brick and mortar within some of the uh, architecture of the churches, it is very obvious. And even some of the buildings on campus, some of the, some even some of the, the, the uh, campus uh, it's the, the buildings that are there, the, the instructional buildings, classrooms. There are within some of the inlays in the bricks. There are crosses and some other, you know, religious symbology there, Christian symbology. And I'm sure that there are probably people, there are probably professors on the campus that would just assume have those things gone. Oh, how hideous that those things are up there. Because they're not inclusive or whatever. Uh, I would contend that um, it shows that our where we come from in our, in our past, and of course they would say, "Oh, we're evolving on the issue." Or, you know, this is whatever kind of stuff, stuff that's going on. Here. Uh, but it's interesting that those things are inlaid in our past, which you cannot get away from. And it says something about the foundation of some of our institutions. Now, let's talk about the playground politics of what's going on right now. In the house, and I'm not going to specifically. I, as I'm speaking this, I just learned uh, now that Jim Jordan they, went, they did another vote for Jim Jordan, and he actually lost votes. Um, he's, he, I think he was down. Uh, I think he's down 22 votes from where he started, I believe, or or several. I, I know that he had he had more votes. Let's put it that way. Uh, on the first time they went around with, with him as speaker than they do now. Um, now, the I believe the. Democrats, uh, 210 Democrats voted for Joaquin Jeffries. This is, uh, now keep in mind, their, their goal here is to continue to do, they're in lockstep with Joaquin. They're all voting together for Joaquin because they want to see what, now, if the Democrats actually cared about moving forward and getting some things done in the House, if they actually cared more about that than they do about the political chaos that's been happening, they would just they would have just came forward and voted for Jim Jordan and got it done. Or voted for somebody, anybody. They they could have put almost anybody over the over the top if they would just if they'd have voted for McCarthy or voted for for almost any other other Republicans, they probably would have gotten it over the majority. Because they have to have a, a higher, higher majority. Uh 
over the total votes. So if there's 500 votes, uh, there aren't that many, but if there was 500 votes, you'd have to get 251. And then, of course, there could be a smattering of other votes. It could be, you know, 100 for one person, 100, another 100 for another person, and 50 for another. So it's, you, you, if you had 251 votes, that'd be higher than the majority of the total votes. And that's, that's, that's sort of the county. It's a majority vote. However, it's the highest of the total majority. So even though Jim Jordan got, had 198 votes and Joaquin got 210, there were more than 420 people voting. So they got, you know, Joaquin did not get a, a, a majority vote. But this is, this is the game that they're playing. And if they were really interested in actually getting some things done, they're all concerned about, oh, well, what's, look at what's happening in the Middle East, and you guys can't keep, keep your, get your act together. Well, it's because you guys, uh, it's because of what you guys are doing. It's, it, if, if they really want to be bipartisan, if they, if they really wanted to get around this partisanship uh, politics baloney, they would, they would be breaking ranks. What we see, and this Kevin McCarthy is getting pretty bold now to come out and make and making statements like he is. Um, he's kind of showing who he really is, in my opinion. I'm telling you, if these people, if these rugrats do not get voted out at the next time around, uh, then our country's done. I I believe there's going to be a landslide voting. For, I think people are realizing right now that the Democrat or the Republican Party is really divided down a rhino attempt to control. And the rhinos have very deep roots in their ability to control in the background into the deep state. And the you know the people like Matt Gates, I think has come out and made some brilliant statements in the last week or so. Kevin McCarthy's calling, oh, this is just the crazy eights that are coming out and voting with the Democrats and trying to vilify them. He's playing the same kind of games that the Democrats play. And by, by creating a narrative and vilifying people and making it sound like he's in charge, Nancy Pelosi now has come out as also said, well, you have to talk to, Je to, to Jeffries about that. He's in charge. He's, he's the one in charge right now of the House. He's the, he's the House minority leader. No, Nancy, we all know that you're pulling the strings behind Joaquin Jeffries. He's not, he, he's not large and in charge. He's, he's worse than Joe Biden, in fact. In my opinion, his position right now is the House Minority. So we have a very, uh, very tedious situation right now. Uh, now, so so Kevin McCarthy now has come out, start starting to call Matt Gates names and calling the crazy eights, calling them all names. Has this little tricky little name for him now. Uh, and what we have at this point is we have Marjorie Taylor Greene, who supposedly is, is a ra radical conservative, right? She's supposedly on the, you know, she's a trumpet. Um, she is siding with Kevin McCarthy. Now, what's interesting here is some of the things that are going on. And here's what really aggravates me about all of this. These junior high kids who are playing these games. And I, don't, I do not consider Matt Gates one of them. Let me be very clear about that. He's not playing games here. He's, he is acting on actual principles. Kevin McCarthy did make promises. Kevin McCarthy broke those promises. Kevin McCarthy should have known the consequences of those promises that were made. 
he was just so gung-ho, drunk with his lust for power, that he went along with it, thinking that he was going to get away with it later on when he didn't have to deal with it. Well, guess what, Kevin? Yeah, you have to deal with it. They held your feet to the fire. They held you accountable for the things you promised them to do, and you didn't do them. And now you're you're throwing a little tizzy fit because you didn't get... Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene is weighing in on the side of McCarthy. She is against the... Now, keep in mind, Marjorie Taylor Greene, MTG, and Lauren Boebert got into a big kerfuffle, got into a little match, got into a little screaming match with each other. They're mad at each other. They... In which she is one of the crazy eights, supposedly, as McCarthy would call them. I totally agree with what they're doing, and I don't think that there's anything that's so important that they have to get around, get along with the people's business, whatever. Uh, this hundred million, hundred billion dollar bill now that uh, Biden is supposedly putting forth, putting forward to not just give money to Israel, he's going to go ahead and combine a, a package deal. For Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. Everything that they do, everything they put through the House right now has to have some kind of aid to Ukraine. Then we have no accountability of where that money's going. None. That never has been. Even the people who've tried to put, put uh, bills forward to get some kind of accountability, it doesn't go, it gets voted down. It tells you something about where that money is flowing back to. There is a back channel of that money. I guarantee you it's coming back in the, the coffers of some of these supposedly principled individuals. It's, it's so frustrating, I can hardly go on with the show right now. In fact, I'm kind of thinking about maybe just calling this done, because it is it is so very frustrating. Now, there's a, some talk about uh, possibly, you know, like, I think Jim Jordan, it sounds like he's going to be backing down from the, uh, for running, running for speakership again. Um, I think this last vote kind of basically took the wind out of his sails. I, mean, I think he's... Now, keep in mind, uh, he had a lot of votes. The majority of the Republicans are voting for this guy. But they just don't have enough votes in the majority to make it happen. Now, down the road some, at some point, maybe in a few years, uh, Jim Jordan probably will be. Because what I see going to happen here is conservatives are seeing, I, I, think, I think even the independents are seeing the, the, the crazy nuttiness of the rhinos. And the rhinos are calling Jim Jordan and other people like that, they're, they're calling them the crazies they don't realize they are the ones who are nuts. And they, they're tired of this political game that people are playing. They don't, want, they don't want bipartisanship. They want principles. American people, I think, have spoken very clearly on this. In terms, I, I shouldn't say the American people. The conservative and the, even the Republican right, I think, is very clear on this, that principles do matter. And it's not Republican principles. It's constitutional principles. And that is what the anti-establishment folks are really talking about it. We're tired of establishment people. I, I believe that's I, think, I believe that's where the country is. I'm not going to speak for everybody. I'm not a political geopolitical analyst. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I just, I'm just this is the vibe I'm getting from people that are involved in this whole thing. That's all I'm going to say about that. So it's Friday. It is uh, we're approaching Shabbat here this this evening. Uh, for those of you who uh, understand what that means. It's, it's Sabbath. Um, Sabbath is not Sunday. Sabbath is 
Saturday, Sabbath day. It still is. Jesus never changed it. John didn't change it. Uh, it is still Shabbat. The Roman Catholic Church changed it. So don't think of Sunday as your... You can Sunday is the first day of the week. There's a reason why Sunday is the first day on the calendar and Saturday is the last day. Because on the seventh day, you rest. Seventh day on the calendar is Saturday. On most calendars, there are some now that don't do that. But for time immemorial, growing up as a kid, for the longest time I can remember, it's been a Sunday through Saturday week. Sunday is the first day of the week. And churches would worship on the first day of the week because they gave their first day to God for worship. Saturday was a day of rest. When I was a kid, hardly any businesses were open on Saturdays. Most places were closed on Saturday. Then some places started opening until noon. That was a big deal. The restaurants and stuff were probably open. But even some of those were closed on Saturday. This is just the way it was. Now, then it became, all of a sudden, it became that Sunday was, became the day of rest. Because everybody started working on Saturdays. But I digress. I'm going to finish my tea. So, folks, uh, I'm going I'm to start my walk. Go get some walking done and go get myself some lunch. That's what I'm planning on doing. I've got about, a, about an hour of walk to do and then uh, I'm eat. And I'm going to do another hour of walk back. And... Uh, that's my plan to finish my day off doing that before I get out of here. Once again, folks, thanks for uh, for listening to me this week, and I hope your, hope your weekend will go very well for wherever you are. And hopefully, uh, you know, we continue to pray for the peace in Israel and pray for, for the uh, peace in the world, all over the world, for that matter. Mostly that we have peace in our hearts and that we uh, are able to listen to each other, um, to understand each other, and to be able to communicate properly with each other. So as we go into this next week, as we close out this weekend and go into the next week, I will, I will definitely be having a show, by the way, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and probably Thursday. Friday's up in the air next week. But uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there will be a show, and, and yeah, and Thursday as well, there will be a show as well. Uh, at least that's the plan at this point, because something else in life changes. But all of next week, I would say, most of the next week. Okay. Once again, thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, being with me. And uh, thanks for all your support. God bless. You.